What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's where the show goes. You hit me up with a few questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, catechesis, uh, discipleship, the list goes on. I will then sit with your questions, pray with them, study, and hopefully respond in such a way that is good for you to to become a saint in, in your walk toward heaven. Uh, but my disclaimer is this, I'm not perfect. Therefore, the advice I share with you, the responses I give to you might not be good for you. If that's the case, please reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to become a, a saint. But if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I really want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ in prayer and in study and in worship and in fellowship so that God can give you the graces that you may need over time to fulfill the demands of discipleship. If you're a first-time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions at www.ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh, spell out A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play and other podcast formats and share us on your social media pages. This will help other people to find out about the show. If it's helpful for you, potentially, it can become helpful for other people as well. And finally, uh, we do have the new Ask Father Josh show, which is different from the podcast. Uh, And the Ask Father Josh show is on the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. And you can check that out. We have two videos available. One is about suffering with Christ and one is about Halloween. Check those out and share those with your family and friends. Again, if you think it might be a gift for them and beneficial for them and their relationship with the Lord. Today's episode, uh, we are going to address two questions. Number one, what does it mean to be a son of God? Right now, the Abiding Together podcast with Heather and Michelle and Sister Miriam have been addressing what it means to be a daughter of God. So what about sonship in in Christ? And finally, what about our disposition towards spiritual writings? Like how should we approach the mystical writings of some people that have been dropping some books lately? And how can they be helpful, beneficial, and at the same time, potentially detrimental to our relationship with the Lord? But before we get into those questions, I want to share with you a glory story. story is this. So um, at Christ the King on Tuesday nights, I have been participating in a Bible study with a number of students uh, for the past semester. And we just began a new Bible study uh, where we are specifically looking at different saints who experienced different forms of mental illness, from scrupulosity to addictions to um, suicidal thoughts, depression, PTSD, and the list goes on. And in addition to looking at the lives of the saints who struggle with those different things, we are addressing this conversation through the lens of Scripture. So we've been like applying the, the practice of Lexio Divina to the Word of God. And it has just been so beautiful to accompany and to walk with and to, to encounter the saints and be inspired by the saints who are motivating us to, to continue 
in our relationship with God. Like, so if you experience any forms of mental illness that I've mentioned just now, whether it's scrupulosity or depression or anxiety or PTSD or suicidal thoughts, you're not alone. And just the encouragement is to to reach out to a counselor or a therapist or a licensed professional and to also uh, potentially get involved in a small group Bible study as well where these topics are being addressed because it has just been so beautiful to hear the fruit of these young disciples' prayer as they meditate on the Word of God and on the witness of the saints who have preceded us in our walk toward eternity who have experienced these different um, sufferings in their in their walk uh, with, with the Lord. So, I love Bible studies. If you can't tell, Bible studies, that's like one of my love languages. I think I just, I love adoration and I love Bible studies. So yeah, that's the glory story. We also got some feedback coming in from Karen. Karen writes this, I only wanted to comment that I've never really internalized the idea of completely looking at the Lord as our father until I listened to your podcast on vocation confusion. I wept and realized how lovely and how true I thank the Lord for you. Ah, Karen. Thank you so much for that feedback. I thank the Lord for you. And speaking of the Lord as our Father, let's go ahead and jump into our first question about being a son of God. All right, first question comes in from Alex. Alex says this, what does it mean to be a son of God? On Abiding Together podcast, they have recently been speaking about the identity of daughter. And while it has many wonderful points, it did not particularly hit on the masculine side of that question. As a man who has dealt with severe trauma throughout my life, how can I keep close to God's vision for who I should be as a son of God? What does that look like, Alex? Well, Alex, it's a great question. And I think the more appropriate question isn't what does that look like, but who, who does that look like? It looks like Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the son of the living God. Jesus Christ is forever the son of the father. And when he went to be baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin John, the heavens opened up, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove, And the father spoke and the father said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased, with whom I delight in. Notice at that that moment in the life of Christ, he had not done any ministry. It wasn't about what he did that made him a son. It was who he was. He was the father's beloved son who the father was pleased with, not for his good works or the future miracles, but for who he was in the father's eyes. When you were baptized, You were no longer just a person who was made in the image of God, but you literally became the beloved son of God, the father as well. You became a child of God. You became the body of Jesus Christ. And so that which the father said to Jesus, the father says to you, Alex, you are my beloved son. That's who you are. That's your identity. And I am pleased with you and I am delighted in you. That's how Jesus Christ began his ministry, from listening to the Father, delight over him. And it was the Father's delight that dictated every decision that Jesus Christ made. 
as beloved sons, we're going to make different decisions throughout our walk toward becoming saints that are going to look different because we're different people, right? We have different gifts. We have different charisms. We have different callings. We have different missions. We have different apostles. We serve and we walk and abide and reside in different lands. But the bottom line is whether you're in Texas and I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, you and I are both beloved sons of God the Father. And as a beloved son of God the Father, we are invited to imitate Jesus, to imitate Jesus who allow the Father's delight to dictate every decision that he made. Quite often, what did Jesus Christ do throughout his three-year ministry? He would walk away to go and be with his Father one-on-one, to be a son, to listen to his Father, say to him again and again, I delight in you. You are my beloved, which the Father did say more than once in the scriptures. Whenever he went to the top of Mount Tabor, he went up on top of a mountain. And that's what the Father spoke to him again was, I love you. You're my son. I delight in you. I'm pleased with you. Everyone should be listening to you right now. Likewise, God invites us to go away, to to set away time every single day to be with the Father, to be with the Lord, to, 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 to look at how He looks at us, to see ourselves the way that He sees us, to receive from the Father the particular unique mission that He's given to us. To receive is what a son does. A natural born son receives from his father. He receives from his mother. He receives from his his parents. As a newborn baby, you receive everything. There's a poverty that you have as a child. And to be a child of God, to be a son of God is to live, to choose to freely live in that poverty. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be poor means I do not possess anything or anyone. I do not grasp at my own way or my ideas. I am not self-sufficient. I cannot be self-sufficient because I have nothing. My hands are completely open to receive from the Father whatever the Father wants to give to me. And the Father will only give me what is best for me, what is good for me to abide in relationship with him. Even if it is painful, even if it hurts, the Father will be with me and he will walk with me and he will accompany me in my journey toward becoming a saint. To be a son of the Father is the foundational identity of every man. It's the foundation. The, the, the women on abiding together are talking about the identity of, of woman as daughter. For men, it is to be a son because a son is able to then receive from the Father and share first love with brothers and sisters, right, siblings. And then from sharing with brothers and sisters and learning how to be formed in love, he can then go out and be a spouse to the church as a priest or to his religious community or to a particular woman. And from being in relationship with a woman or the church or a community as a spouse, he can then be a father, There is no such thing as a father without being a son first. He can be a father, a spiritual father, a biological father, adopted father, foster father. He can manifest the paternity of God. But to manifest that paternity in the unique ways that God invites us to do so, we must first receive. We must first be in a constant, perpetual disposition of receiving. And even if, as a single man as well, I didn't mention that as a single man who just gives himself to the church, to ministry, to the poor in his community, to the land that he, he abides in, he too is called to be a spiritual father, but that also follows from being a son first. So who do you look to? You look to Jesus by reading the life of Christ in the Gospels, by meditating on the way that he encountered the Father, by the time that he spent with the Father, by the way that he prayed, by the way that he worked, by who he said yes to, by who he said no to, why did he say yes, what did he say no to, following Jesus. He is the path. He is your path. 
to being the Son of God that the Father desires for you to live in in your walk toward eternity. So, yeah, that's what it means to be a son, to be who you are, which is the body of Jesus Christ, who daily receives from the Father. And again, how do you receive? Scripture. Read Scripture. That's receiving from the Lord. Be with the Lord in the Word. Be with the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Receive from Him. And then you could, you could give of yourself however uniquely He invites you to do so. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to dive into our next question, which is all about spiritual writings and what should our disposition be before them, um, especially when they're like extra mystical. If you enjoyed the Rejoice Advent resources in the past Advents, you know firsthand how God can use the season of Advent to foster a personal encounter with Him so that you are ready for the person of Jesus Christ at Christmas. My name is Father Mark Toops, author of the Rejoice Advent Meditation Series, and I'm excited about this year as we invite you on a pilgrimage as we learn more about the places, people, and events of the very first Advent. I am humbled with all of you who have uh, celebrated with me the gift of Advent. Over 100,000 people have been a part of the Rejoice resource in the past. It's been a humble privilege for me to walk with you, and I'm excited about this year's pilgrimage as we learn more about those places, people, and events of the very first Advent. To learn more and to go on the pilgrimage with us, go to rejoiceprogram.com. Until we see you in this Advent journey, God bless you. And we're back. Quick reminder, you can hit me up with your own questions at www.essentialpress.com slash askfatherjosh, spell it A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. And you can share us on your social media pages to help other people to find out about the podcast. And you can also tune into our new Ask Father Josh show on Ascension Presents YouTube channel, which is available now. All right. Last question today comes in from Jared. Jared writes about spiritual writings. Hey, Father Josh, I love the podcast and how you keep it real. Keep it real. Uh, uh, keep. I'm trying to think of a real song. Mm, couldn't do it. My question is a weird one and not sure what category it falls into. Fall. How come I always fall for your time? Mm, 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 for your time. Um into what I've tried to research and understand, but it doesn't really make sense to me. I have a Catholic app called Audate. I try to read the daily readings and do the daily prayer every morning before work. Sometimes in the text after the reading, it has quotes from Insinu Yezu with the date. From what I can find, it means those are direct words from Jesus given to a priest and he wrote them down. My question is, how is this and how do we know it's real and is it recognized by the church? Thanks for your help. And understanding this, keep up the good work. And if we are ever in the area, we want to stop by for Mass. Jared, yeah, I would love to worship with you at Mass. Best place that we could ever be together. Um, and great, great question. Yeah, there are so many things that are so confusing. So many people write books and they say they're mystics. And they say that they have this secret knowledge that comes from the Lord. There are these locutions, apparitions. So how do we know which ones are of the Lord and which ones are not of the Lord? Well, that's what we're going to find out today. So the specific work you're talking about, Senior Yezu, I've read it before. I have found it helpful. I've prayed with it during holy hours. I've studied it, um, and it's been beneficial for me. Does that mean that I am going to promote it and say that everybody should read it? No. Does that mean you have to believe that it's uh, authentic? No, actually, you don't. You're free to accept it or reject it. It was written by a Benedictine monk. 
um, and it's been endorsed by uh, some leaders in the church. Cardinal Burke has endorsed it, um, as well as some other uh, bishops and archbishops. Uh, and it does have an imprimatur as well. So the book is recognized by its bishop. It does have an imprimatur, um, and it did also receive the Neil Opstad, uh, which is a required statement that the book is judged to be free of, of errors concerning the faith or morals. But just because it is free of errors of faith or morals, does that mean that it is adding anything uh, to the faith? Uh, apparitions, which are visions of Jesus, Mary, Joseph, the angels, the saints— and locutions um, are, are not things that you have, to, you have to submit to. Rather, they are commended as something that we could receive under the form of pious belief. Our obedience is only given to public revelation, which is sacred scripture, and the interpretation of that as handed on to us through sacred tradition, the, the magisterium. Um, so even with people who claim to have apparitions or who claim to experience locutions, that's the voices of the saints, the voices of Jesus and Mary and Joseph are the voices of, of angels. Even with that, the church doesn't really approve this specific apparition locution. It more so approves that the assertions within the apparitions and the locutions don't say anything that's contrary to our faith and the practice of our faith. These apparitions and these locutions, so what this monk alleged is that Jesus told him through his locutions in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament, they don't really add into the, to the faith. They just emphasize things that have been neglected. Typically, whenever the Lord invites someone to be an, uh, a locutionist or, or someone who sees apparitions, a seer, a visionary, a mystic, and so that they can emphasize things that may have been neglected in the church, not that they're giving new uh, teachings like the Gnostics would believe, uh, some secret knowledge that is not found in sacred scripture, but they're just emphasizing aspects of the faith that have been neglected um, over time. That's why they're called extraordinary because they build upon that which is already ordinary and they emphasize that which is already ordinary, but has not really been highlighted in this particular season. So, and in Sina Yezu, that which he is encouraging people, specifically priests, to, to do again is to pray before the Blessed Sacrament because that's an ordinary demand of discipleship. I mean, Jesus Christ told the apostles as their first mandate, it was to spend time with him in the Garden of Gethsemane and to sit, watch, and pray before the presence of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus in the Garden, right? So that's the very first mandate, and it's been neglected. So it's very scriptural, and so this book is only meant to draw people, specifically priests, I believe, to to commit to the interior life again, to commit to that very important relationship with God. And so that's what he's seeking out to do. Again, does that mean that everything he says is good? Not necessarily the case. Um, is everything he says bad? Not necessarily. Right? Sometimes when we think about like saints or mystics or, or seers or whoever, we typically either accept everything or we reject everything. I've been in this game long enough to to walk with people who I know have legit charisms and gifts where I, I've witnessed God do miracles through them. And I've also witnessed them say the most ridiculous things at the same time. And so we have to reverence that people are people. We're not God. And so just because we've been given a gift to have a vision or, uh, or have a specific charism, it doesn't mean that we're always going to perfectly communicate in line with God's will because we're still broken, right? Peter was the first pope, but Peter kept messing up, and he was still called to be the pope. He still had that, that gift from God. I, as a priest, I've messed up time and time again, but I still have a charisma of evangelization. So the, we can have gifts from God and still not be perfectly in line with God at all times. So you don't have to 
believe everything that this person says. Um, you can reject some things, accept some things at the same time, do both end. But these people are people. They're, they're, they're called by God to be saints. But even the saints weren't perfectly in line with God at all times. Again, St. Catherine Library had locutions of God, heard the voice of the Lord and the saints. And Pope Benedict said that she had writings that had theological errors found within them. So we don't have to accept everything called Blanche about what is said by these books. But if you find it to be personally helpful for you, then spend time with it. If you find that as you read it, that it, it, it is not a bridge for you, then put it away, throw it away. You don't have to have it. So what might be helpful for one member of the body of Christ might not be helpful for another member of the body of Christ. And so I think we need to be open to just what is drawing me to abide in relationship with Jesus. And that which is the ordinary path to holiness, which is scripture, and uh, the sacraments and service to the poorest of the poor. It's the same way I approach this podcast. Everything I say is not infallible. So you can disagree with me on some things and you can uh, challenge me and critique me. And, and there are other things that I might say that might really inspire you. And that's cool. I'm not perfect. And so I receive that. And where I can be a blessing for you, praise God. And where I'm, I'm, I'm harmful for you, my bad. Uh, I repent. But yeah, that's how I think. I think it's a healthy posture to have before these kind of works. So let me know if that was helpful. Um, so, uh, but it does have the imprimatur. It does have a new opposite as well um, from the bishop of the land. So that's that. Let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All right, y'all, I will see you in the Eucharist. And, uh, and if not... Now, if I don't get to meet you while we're on earth, I hope to meet you in heaven. God bless. Mm -hmm.